0: Hi, and welcome to the Beyond the Scale podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Spencer Nadolsky, and this podcast, presented by Sequence, we'll discuss a wide range of topics related to obesity, nutrition, and fitness. With the help of special guests, my goal is to shed light on the new weight science. Hey, and welcome back to the Beyond the Scale podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Spencer Nadolsky, and today we have a special guest, Dr. Rachel Reed. She is an exercise scientist, and we even went to school together, although we didn't apparently know this at UNC Chapel Hill, (laughs) back on our stomping ground. So welcome.
1: Thank you so much for having me, and go Tar Heels.
0: Go Tar Heels. Go Heels. So when did you get into exercise and science?
1: So I grew up as an all-star cheerleader. If you've heard of that, it kind of combines traditional cheer, dance, and gymnastics and ended up cheering at UNC Chapel Hill. And during my time there, we got to work. We had a team doctor, we had a team strength and conditioning coach, a registered dietitian. So we really got to experience this sort of like holistic healthcare strength and conditioning model. And I became really fascinated with the idea that you could train for specificity of sport and performance, right? So we were as, as cheerleaders doing Olympic lifting, sprint training on the treadmill, right? To help generate power and had a good balance of endurance too. And so I became really fascinated with this whole concept. And when I learned that exercise science could be a field of study, I was like, oh, I, I'm in. This is a no brainer. And I think that plus the idea of being more on the side of prevention. So how can we teach more people to engage in healthy behaviors early so that they can avoid getting chronic conditions later on? So I think it was the marriage of of those two things for me. And that's kind of what's been lighting my fire ever since.
0: That's perfect. Sounds similar to me. Just using exercise science to get better at sports, but then taking it and applying it to the general population too. Yeah avoid, well, treat, uh, prevent and treat chronic disease. That's awesome. So did you do the exercise science program at Chapel Hill or did you do it after you got into it?
1: Yeah, I did. So you had to um, do some general science courses, all all the physics and chemistry, biology classes, all of that before you could apply to be in the major there. And then I knew I wanted to keep going and ended up at the University of Georgia for Grad school, did my um, master's and PhD in kinesiology. And then I did postdoctoral work in exercise psychology, which for me was really like the missing piece of the puzzle. It's like, how do we take all this research and theory and then connect that to the way that human behavior actually works? Right. So, like, how can that's amazing? How can we like help people use these strategies in everyday life? And along that, Path. I, I've also been a group exercise instructor and personal trainer for a long time. So I've had my, you know, one side of me is is always connected to the science, and the other side has always been really interested in how do we get this info to actual people who need it? And how do we do that effectively?
0: I think you'd get along with our fitness director, which is uh, Justin Kampf. He's a PhD as well and gets really into the behavioral psychology of just trying to get people to actually exercise. Yeah. Okay. So you did that. Now, what are you doing?
1: So I am a part-time teaching faculty at UGA. I like to stay connected to the department there and also to students. I teach a research method and design class. So I love this concept of like, how do we prepare exercise science students who by and large want to be PAs, MDs, PTs? How do we prepare them to understand like what type of study design can answer what kind of question and then what conclusions can you draw from that, right? Because we all want our medical (laughs) practitioners to be able to understand science. So I love teaching that class. And then I work full-time in the franchise wellness space. So I spent about seven years in sort of like the fitness proper space, I would say, working for exponential fitness. They own about ten boutique brands. You've probably heard of Pure Bar, Club Pilates, mm-hmm. and then for Orange Theory Fitness headquarters, and in those roles, have done a lot of coach education, a lot of programming, and science communication. And then recently, I'm with a company called Sweat House, which is a new wellness franchise concept that's really more leaning into the recovery side ah. of things. So there's this whole vertical of the fitness space that's popping up now focusing on recovery. And to me, it seemed like such a cool opportunity to really look at what does the science show there? and what areas is it really successful? And in what areas is the science underdeveloped? And maybe the consumer hype is leading the way? And, and how do we tell that story from an informed perspective? So I've you know stayed in the industry space, but still stay connected to research and the academic track too.
0: Oh, that's great. Okay. So you're still working with one-on-one with any clients or, or any patients or anything like that?
1: Not over the last like nine or 10 months.
0: You're overseeing the coaches that are doing it.
1: Exactly. Yes. Okay.
0: So what are the things you're teaching these coaches to get their clients then to start and continue exercise? I'd love to hear like the top three things.
1: Yeah. So I I always like to remind coaches that many of the people they're working with don't necessarily have the same mindset as they do. A lot of us get into this exercise science and fitness space because we have loved it. We've lived it and we've wanted to kind of continue maybe sports success or performance and help other people find that. And so we have to have some sort of empathy and communication skills really Go a long way when you're working one on one with clients to really understand what is their why. So, why are they here? Right? Because when it comes to behavior change, oftentimes getting started is the hardest part. And so, if you have someone who's in front of you, they've showed up at your studio and they're there for a group exercise class or a personal training session, that's taken a lot for them to get up the courage to come in, to put on their workout clothes, to meet you face to face. And so, how can you? Meet them where they are and help them remove any remaining barriers that they're facing, right? A lot of people, when you ask them, you know, what's keeping you from being physically active, they'll note time. So, lack of time or time management, lack of access to resources, whether that's education, equipment, professional help, and lack of social support. So, I'm a huge believer in this concept of social support helping you develop self-efficacy. We tend to be more successful with maintaining physical activity behaviors if the people around us are also maintaining those behaviors and or at least supporting us in our quests to keep that going. So reminding fitness pros of that is really important. And then I also love to teach them the basics of the physical activity recommendations and where those come from. So this concept of you know, what is the recommended dose of physical activity and how can we help members at a studio or clients that are in front of us achieve that? How can we help them meet the aerobic activity guidelines? How can we help them start resistance training and why? What are the benefits of those both in the short term? So how are they going to feel when they leave this session today with me, for example, and how will they feel if they consistently exercise You know, over weeks and months and hopefully years. And so, teaching staff to really be able to communicate that why and the long term implications of a healthy lifestyle is so key. I think right now, especially in the fitness influencer space on Instagram, Mm -hmm. (laughs) there's so much focus on calorie burn. I burn this many calories, or you even hear big brands with like slogans all about caloric expenditure. And I find that a lot of times that messaging can lure someone in like, yeah, I do want to burn calories, you know, cause there's this perception mm-hmm. that that yeah. will help somebody lose weight. But my thought is that if that's all we're teaching someone about exercise, then we're really missing the, the most important points. It's about so much more than that. And so equipping coaches with those talking points to educate somebody in a way that is informal, approachable, and matters to their why, I think is is really key.
0: That's awesome. Okay, so for anybody listening, we got people, just a lot of lay people listening. Mm-hmm. What are the general recommendations for exercise?
1: Yeah. So if we were to look up the physical activity recommendations, um, it's important to know that this information comes from like decades of exercise science research, from the best studies that are existing to date. And what they've landed on is about 150 minutes per week of aerobic physical activity that's moderate in nature, or 75 minutes of more vigorous intensity aerobic work, plus strength training on all major muscle groups, two to three times per week. That is sort of this sweet spot where we start to see pretty big health benefits across several domains, both from a mental benefits domain and a, and a physical benefits domain there is evidence to support that in many cases more can be better right um, so that seems to kind of be that lower threshold of a of a dose if you will but i want everyone who's listening to understand that any physical activity is better than none so if you are somebody who is just getting started on this journey and maybe you've been successful with really polishing up your nutrition approach and you've dialed those behaviors in and you're ready to sort of stack on increased levels of physical activity, getting started with even a little bit is going to really pay off from a health benefits point of view. So if you can start by incorporating 15-minute walks a couple of days per week, or maybe attending a group exercise workout with somebody that you know and feel comfortable with, if you can just start making little steps it's going to add up it's going to increase your self-efficacy it's really never too late to start either i think about a lot how just now like our generation and onward we've grown up where exercise is important and accepted and most people understand that it's it's appropriate but when i think about like my grandparents generation for example especially for women participating in sport and working out in a gym wasn't necessarily the norm. And when I've worked with older clients specifically, a lot of times it's been their first time ever exercising. So even Mm. answering questions like, what shoes should I wear? How do I find a sports bra? Like, what is that? Why do I need one? Even these basic questions that sometimes many of us who have been immersed in it take for granted, like, we really need to kind of take a step back and simplify the message. So it's never too late to start. And you can start by walking. I think it's one of the most underrated things.
0: All right. So walking, what about like, okay, everybody listening is either interested in probably the the GLP one or or anti-obesity medicines, or they're already on it. They're in our program or thinking about joining. I think what you're saying is like, also, you, you alluded to it, don't focus on the calorie burning or even necessarily mm-hmm. weight loss from exercise. A little bit can come from that, but focus on the, the health benefits and, and other things as well, or even think of those as kind of the primary aspect yeah. of exercise. So then like, okay, I know exercise is good. You're saying to start walking. How would you get people, and we've, I've had discussions about this before, but how do you get people to start doing the strength training component of it?
1: Ooh, that's such a harder thing to get people to start Uh doing, especially if they've never experienced it before. I would say that's where social support can really come into play. So if you have friends who you know are regular gym goers or maybe they like a specific type of group exercise class, I really, of course, I'm a little biased because I've taught group exercise for a long time, but I love the group exercise environment for somebody who's new. To resistance training because you can find classes that will teach you the basic movements. You'll be able to learn and develop in a group setting, which is oftentimes more affordable than say like working with a personal trainer one-on-one. And then you can begin to you know, train on your own or with a group of friends at a gym instead. So I think getting started with basic movement patterns is, is always the recommendation. So thinking about squats and lunges and hinges, right movements that translate to everyday activities. And even starting with what you have at home, maybe that's body weight, maybe it's lighter dumbbells. I think that getting started and getting some confidence in how to move and how it feels after you finish a resistance training session can be really impactful. I would say with technology and one of the things that came out of COVID that's positive maybe is that there's so much more access now to online trainers, online resources where you could, from the comfort of your home, learn the basics of resistance training. As far as setting yourself up for success and sticking with a goal that you've set, I think self-monitoring comes into play and research supports that for most health behavior changes, monitoring in some way can be really helpful, whether that's keeping a journal of your workouts or whether that's tracking things on wearable technology, that reinforcement that you've done it, you've achieved it, and you can do it again, uh, really can help with behavior maintenance uh, when it comes to physical activity, including resistance training.
0: Very cool. And so like, okay, so for examples, yeah, someone's like, I kind of want to start. I know it's good for me. It's going to be good for my body. It might even make me look better and feel better, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Starting maybe with a body weight, just figuring out the movement patterns, even if it's like 20 minutes. Yes. Ideally, you'd have a coach that's right there showing you in person. But now with technology, we have videos that can kind of go over exactly how to do it and mm-hmm. maybe have a mirror that kind of looks through it and maybe some Pointers at like, hey, you may be feeling this, so do this, a coaching cue of some sort. Right. So they start off like that, maybe once a week, maybe twice a week if they're up for it. Yeah. And then how do you progress from there usually?
1: So if somebody is starting with one session a week, first of all, major props because you're going to start to feel so much better, right? Right after the session, you'll probably notice that your mood is elevated you also have this sense of like achievement. I, Hey, I did that. It was tough for me and I did it. Yeah. Adding on after that is going to be easier because you've kind of set the stage, you've set the foundation and it's going to be easier for you to build upon it.
0: Mm-hmm. Of
1: course, making sure you're hitting all the major muscle groups will be key. So if you can get up to two times per week, I think that's awesome. What I often tell people is, get the one session per week down for several weeks in a row. And then maybe every other week you add a second session. So you're not just going from zero to a hundred, you're adding something in that's going to be sustainable for you. And that's relatively enjoyable. Exercise should be somewhat enjoyable. Not every session is going to be your most favorite thing and you're going to have to rely on some discipline and being really disciplined actually when motivation fails But you want it to be enjoyable enough. You want to be able to take note of how, you know, maybe you're able to lift a little bit heavier or you have more mobility, better range of motion during a certain movement pattern than you had before. Or maybe you feel like you could complete a couple more reps than you did before. And so keeping in mind that there are so many other ways to track your progress with resistance training than caloric expenditure, I think is going to be really important.
0: I love it. Well, And then what about like aerobic activity too, same walking. And then what if they're like, I want to start running. Do you have like, so we, we, our patients have obesity
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and would you have them go from walking straight to running or how would you do that?
1: I would, if they have access to a treadmill, I would first probably start with some walking intervals. So even with walking, this is actually one of the things I loved most about working at Orange Theory that is primarily treadmill work and one of the really great things that that brand does is include people who are walkers and what they're doing instead of necessarily manipulating the speed of the movement like runners might be is that they're manipulating the grade of the incline on the treadmill so they're still challenging themselves right walking uphill is it's tough and it's a way to progress the movement without changing the gait pattern so as someone is getting used to using, for example, a treadmill, getting used to adding more aerobic physical activity into their lifestyle. I think the walking and manipulating the grade can be a really great first step. And then, of course, over time, if they want to challenge themselves with uh, short bouts of jogging and working through like jogging and walking intervals that's a really great, you know, sort of third layer that you can add in when you're ready to do that. But I know so many people who stick with the power walking, right? You can get a little faster with walking. You can manipulate that incline. If you're going for a walk outside and you've got hills in your area, you're already doing that um, naturally, right? So I think that's that's a really good sort of next step for somebody who's who's getting going with aerobic training.
0: All right. Last question. If somebody's scared to start, what would you tell them?
1: First of all, I think that if you're thinking about getting started, you're really brave and you should trust yourself to take the first steps. I would say to them to surround themselves with people who are like minded to find support where they can and to really take note of how they might feel after their first session. I think setting a goal that's attainable, achievable, and that you can reflect back on and feel really proud of yourself for is key. So again, that's where that starting, I call it starting low and slow. Again, maybe it's a 15 minute walk. Maybe it's a 20 minute workout that you found online that you, that you're willing to try. Taking that first step is going to get you some momentum and it's going to allow you to believe in yourself because we know that you can do it and I would support them. I'll cheer for them. Um, I would love to know if anyone is listening and wants to take the first step, you know, and needs a little bit of encouragement or social support, I'd be happy to lean in and, and help provide that.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming on. Anything else that you any suggestions for for beginners? I think you nailed it pretty much, but is there's anything else you want to add to it?
1: Yeah, I would just say, gosh, it's that confidence that you can develop from from successfully starting and sticking with an exercise routine, that confidence can translate into so many other areas of your life. Because getting started with an exercise program is is tough. It requires not only like physical work while you're doing the session, but it also requires mental preparation. You have to change your environment. There's a lot of changes that have to occur in order for you to show up and do this for yourself consistently. And I think, at least in my personal experience and working with so many clients over the years, that sort of confidence of like, I'm doing this and I'm doing it for me, and I can feel the changes happening from the inside out. That confidence really can penetrate into other areas of your life too. It can make you, you know, more successful and productive at work and personal relationships. I just think that there's, There's so much more to it than many people discuss online when they're just like calories, calories, Mm calories. So I don't know. I'm just, I'm such a believer in physical activity and the amazing health benefits linked to it. So I hope more people can find that too.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming on, Dr. Reed. Yeah,
1: thank you for having me. You've
0: been very helpful. Maybe <laughs> we'll have you on again and chat with Justin because I think the conversation, our medical or our fitness director, you guys are very similar in, in your backgrounds and also the way you think. Thanks so much for coming on.
1: Thank you.